I'm Ellen Vince. Welcome to Impact, a podcast about how we can each bring about real change in the world and getting practical in making that happen. And hello, I'm Clive Johnson. A special welcome if you're listening for the first time and a big thank you to our new subscribers. Each week, we look at one aspect of how we can connect our hearts to offer healing for others with our collective intention, prayers and meditation and talk about the critical happenings in our world that need our attention right now, some of which may not be making the headlines where you are. In the news that we'll be focusing on this week, we'll begin in Ethiopia and talk about the drought and the starvation and the hunger that's happening there. More on that later. But first to our featured topic for this week, and it was my great pleasure recently to talk to someone that Ellen and I are big fans of, a beautiful human soul, Rob Mayer Kuchen. Rob Mayer Kuchen is the owner and body worker at Seven Notes Natural Health in the, I think it's University City. I went there once, Ann Arbor in Michigan. He began yes. his practice in 2015 at the Healthy Musician Institute, LLC, particularly there serving musicians and performing artists who had repetitive strain injuries, uh, an occupational hazard, I guess, if you're a, a musician. <laughs> he is a passionate educator, musician, and piano teacher. In addition to all this, he is a licensed massage therapist, sound therapist, level three trained Reiki practitioner and teacher, and a Veriditas certified labyrinth facilitator. Rob currently is studying naturopathy with plans to become a naturopathic doctor. I hope I said that right. Uh, he is very tuned to the power of sound vibration and frequency, especially in encouraging balance, natural health, and in our collective work for intention and healing. Rob has a unique set of skills and uses his extensive skill set and anatomical background to help people hear, see, and feel true wellness. He offers bodywork sessions, sound baths, workshops, classes, and more. And we'll hear, hear a little bit about those a little bit later. Particularly working with people who suffer from chronic pain, who need to relax, that's probably most of us, <laughs> and who are looking for natural health alternatives. I know Rob is a very gentle and dear man whose online sound baths have really helped me connect with the bliss that's within. Rob is an inspiration and a joy to be with today. Welcome, Rob. Well, thank you so much, Clive, for that wonderful introduction. It's wonderful to be here. Bless you, bless you. Now, you've decades of experience in fields like uh, Reiki, color therapy, music, and now, I'm sure I mispronounced it, or pronounced it even, <laughs> I can't even say that word properly, <laughs> naturotherapy. By the way, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so naturopathy or ah. naturopathy, depending on what side of the continent, at least North America that I live on, depending on who you ask. Um, uh, naturopathy is a traditional holistic health practice focused on the whole human being. Um, naturopathy uses very specifically non-invasive methods and therapies. Uh, mm. So the naturopath concerns him or herself with the client's diet, their environment, their emotional, physical, spiritual strengths and weaknesses. And then the naturopath's job is to help guide, but then also probably more importantly, to educate the client to make the best health choices for themselves. 
very rounded by the sound of things, very, very holistic. So your background in so many different areas in nutrition and in you know, different types of, of body therapy, uh, all coming together perhaps in, in this really. I'm and, hoping so. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It sounds wonderful. And the various gifts that you, you, you do have uh, enable you to use these to, to help people hear, see, and feel wellness for themselves. So we might see that each of these practices involve a connection beyond ourselves and being aware of how energy particularly plays a part in that. And one thing that really uh, always interests me that's sort of a particular, particularly important in your work is working with sound. Mm-hmm. How did you first get involved in that? And perhaps you can tell us how typically you use sound in your work with, with your clients. Yeah. I, uh, I say that I've been a musician my entire life. One of, uh, one of the youngest or earliest memories that I have, um, and I tell this story um, frequently in workshops and at sound baths, so it's good that it's being recorded so it can keep me honest in my facts here. <laughs> but I always remember, I grew up in a, a, a northern suburb of Detroit, Michigan, uh-huh. Uh, the Motor City in a in a town called Roseville. We lived across the street from one of the city's public schools, and there was a park. So our neighbors across the street were a park and a school. And in probably my seventh or eighth, maybe I was nine years old year, my family got a new stereo. And oh, this wow. was yes. uh, a big deal for us. Yes. It, it still had a turntable, played vinyl records. My father loved music and loved uh, collecting records. And on the stereo, though, were multiple controls, these little sliders that went back and forth. And you could change the sound and move them from one side to the next and you can play with the treble and the bass and I being the type of kid who was enamored with classical music would turn on the Detroit classical music station at the time WQRS and on one particular summer's day before we had air conditioning windows wide open kids playing in the park across the street breeze flowing I'm rocking out to some classical piece of music and I'm just back and forth with the sliders up and down and around and my mom came into the room and said, Robbie, Robbie, you're driving me crazy. <laughs> and without missing a beat, I turned and looked at her and probably in a fairly high-pitched, whiny voice said, but mom, I'm conducting the orchestra. Oh. Oh. <laughs> to which I'm sure she was completely flummoxed, had no response other than, okay, just turn it down. <laughs> <laughs> and oh. so I... I said that I tell that story frequently, and I do tell that story frequently, partially because it gives people a chance to know a little bit about me, but also to point out, even at a time before I had any training or learned the words resonance, frequency, vibration, entrainment, any of this stuff, I knew that that sound coming from that fantastic stereo Mm. was important and that Mm. it meant something um so fast forward you know i go to college i'm working as a church and school musician i'm teaching piano lessons music's a daily part of my life and i had a, a a an injury due to a congenital defect and uh it stopped me from being able to make music and 
I did PT and worked with doctors and things, did some holistic movement therapies, Alexander mm -hmm. Technique, Feldenkrais, those types of oh, things. Oh, yes, yes. And my Alexander teacher said, you're, you're really kind of taking to this. And she could see me starting to pull things out and share it with the musicians I was working with in my private lessons and in my group rehearsals and things. And she said, you should become an Alexander teacher. And I said, well, I, I need a job and I need insurance and all of these things. So, you know, I, I don't know that I can just pack everything up and shift gears. And she says, well, then, then you should consider going to massage school. And I said, what? <laughs> and she said, well, you'd learn anatomy, which is something you're really interested in. And you, you would learn a marketable skill and it would be something that would help people. I know that's something you're passionate about too. And then as the, you know, as the story goes, uh, one thing leads to another. And I graduated my work at the church. I was currently at at that time changed. My job was changing and it gave me an opportunity to start working with this. And when I started working with massage and natural health, a friend of mine from the handbell world said, you should check out this thing they're doing with singing bowls. Mm. Uh, and regrettably, my initial reaction was, oh, that doesn't sound like it's something I wanna do at all. Um, I may have used stronger language, but um, <laughs> I, I at first thought that it was maybe, uh, you know, a, a bunch of hooey and, um, and I just kind of dismissed it. And, then I started to research it and I started to see that medical centers at major universities were using sound and frequency mm -hmm. in operating room. And, you know, uh, Johns Hopkins University was doing this and that with it. And other college universities were using sound and frequency with coma patients because the frequencies and vibrations they were finding that could be used um, and simulated were the same frequency and vibrations that the brain makes when you're recalling memories, which is why they tell coma patients to talk to them about specific things, not just, hey, how's it going? But remember that time we went fishing? Mm. Because that part of the brain that lights up when you remember something is the same part that lights up when you're doing something. Mm. Mm. So I said, okay, well, I'll do this. And um, I signed up for a sound healing class with singing bowls, these bowls you can see behind mm -hmm. me on the shelf here. And um, then my mom got sick and spent two weeks in the hospital and subsequently died. Mm -hmm. And um, then we had the week of the funeral. I was a week back to work and I thought I, I can't go after I've been off all this time. And it was my dear husband, my partner, who said, uh, if you need this at any time in your life, it's now go do this. Mm -hmm. And so I, begrudgingly took another week off of work to go to Chicago to play with singing bowls for a week. And in the first day of class, I laid on the table, they gave us a chance to do some initial sessions with one another. And I processed so many emotions, memories, mm. grief. Mm. I thought from this moment on, I have to share this with other people. Mm. And I've basically dedicated my life and my work to doing that ever since. Yes, yes. It's, it's really down to the experience ultimately rather than the, the theory that, that brought you to that and, and some wonderful some wonderful encouragement along the way, people really seeing your, your talents there. I, l I love the story yeah. about playing with the stereo as a conductor. I, I think I used to put the stereo when I was young and uh, you know get a knitting needle <laughs> out or something like that sometimes too. <laughs> Absolutely. Never actually at the time appreciating that conducting was a little bit more involved than just waving a stick, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. It felt, felt, yeah. felt good.
so we use this term um, therapy, sound therapy, and it suggests a need for healing of some kind. But is there something mm-hmm. more to from from what you see? What, what more to what is happening when when you work with sound that might go beyond that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, at a very basic level. We all have some level of stress or stressors <laughs> in our <laughs> life, and if you look at uh, if you look at all of the stuff that's published and what uh, what sound therapists or sound healers say in their testimonials and things like that, you see that the chief benefit of sound therapy is is relaxation, mm-hmm. and we know that. When the body is in a relaxed state, whether it's the theory of um, innate intelligence that we hear in chiropractic or homeopathy or craniosacral uses, you know, ideas of the vital force, the life force energy, all of these models have the same philosophy that when the body is in a relaxed state, it can heal. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so regardless of what's going on, there's such tremendous benefit to this to this work mm-hmm. um, and anyone and everyone can benefit it has to be the case doesn't it really if 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 we take healing in its most general sense even beyond just re- relaxation and, and relief from stress which i'm sure most of us need it's um go back to the the greek meaning of the word healing it has to do with becoming mm-hmm. whole doesn't it that, again everything you do is mm-hmm. about holistic um lifestyle essentially holistic living Mm-hmm. Um, we've, we've also spoken about um, sound baths. Now, I, I've experienced one or two of those, but perhaps there are a few folks listening that haven't. Could, is it possible to put in a sentence or two briefly what, what a sound bath is? Yeah, I always make the joke <laughs> that uh, no shower caps, no bath towels <laughs> needed. You won't get wet. Um, <laughs> you don't need to take um, your clothes off, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Everyone stay, you know, I encourage people to come dressed comfortably. Um, for lack of a better term, a sound bath is a group sound therapy session. Mm. It's just a lot of people in one room. And the way I like to describe it is sort of like a, a, a three-pronged approach, really. It's part guided meditation, part concert. And it may be different than maybe going to hear your local philharmonic or the choir or something like that. But there are musical aspects. You're sort of sitting as an audience. There's one performer, or maybe more, more than one. And then the third, I jokingly also say, it's kind of like a yoga slumber party. And so <laughs> we we lay out yoga mats and lots of blankets. We provide lots of bolsters uh. and cushions and things. And we encourage people to be relaxed and mm-hmm. comfortable and to just settle in and allow the sounds. We, we oftentimes begin with uh, a bit of a guided meditation, a visualization, and then set an intention and go from there. Hmm. It sounds immediately inviting. And when, when I, unfortunately, quite rarely been to those kind of events, you know, as soon as I walk in and I see the yoga mat and I lie down, even before the session started, I'm feeling, I'm feeling I'm in the right place for now. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And do you have any thoughts about what's actually going on when the sound is doing its magic, uh, sort of connecting people with something or connecting people with with others. Yeah, I mean, in technical terms, it comes down to these concepts that are not unfamiliar to your program and mm-hmm. your listeners, these concepts of resonance and entrainment, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. when we're talking about energy, it's the same as when we're talking about sound frequency and vibrations. The basic concept is like attracts like. 
And so, you know, like on the piano, if you held the sustain pedal down and played a C, for example, all strings that are tuned to C and all strings that have C as an overtone, for that matter, will can start to vibrate and express that note in one way, shape, form, or another. And so you, you get the same sort of thing. And in maybe not so technical terms, the result of that then is community. Mm. People come together mm. and they realize, you know, like-mindedness is 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 not that hard to find, particularly when you're on the yoga mat next yeah. to someone at a yeah. sound bath. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I have to say also, it can be that there's a very large group. And I mean, I'm thinking of being in a concert, which everyone is really enjoying. They're really mm -hmm. tuned in the music and you are not your yourself. You, you go beyond yourself. You feel totally connected with everybody in in that room it's, mm -hmm. it's something that's indescribable really so mm -hmm. you do offer regular sound baths workshops other mm -hmm. events um can you tell us a little bit, a bit about those and particularly anything that's that's coming up soon yeah sure so we do monthly sound baths we do them on the first friday of the month Mm -hmm. In February, our sound bath theme is waves of sound. And so we're going to explore a whole host of um, how instruments can create the sound oh, of wonderful. waves. Um, and there's all sorts of really fun things that we're uh, exploring there. In March, our theme is um, a sound bath that will take you out of this world. Mm. Um, and so we're going to explore some things with some other really fascinating instruments, the tanpura, shruti box, uh, these types of things, which are going to be uh, a really uh, fun thing to do. There's a really beautiful instrument called a wind wand that creates wow. the sound of rushing wind that's just really neat. And then later in March, we're um, very excited um, to be hosting a training by Meditate School of Mindfulness and Sound um, that's um, it's non-geographically based, I guess, but it's here in the United States, but they do trainings all over the world. We're, we're very excited. Um, I'm a facilitator for them, and we're a, our office here is a training site. Brian and Bill Sullivan have created just a, a phenomenal uh, organization for training and teaching people how to do this very thing. Wow, wonderful. And are, are some of these things available online, or, or do people need to be present in an arbor or wherever you're you're traveling? Uh, so we offer uh, some sound baths and, uh, you know, little things like that online. Um, trainings and things, Meditate is uh, working on a concept for a online version of their mm -hmm. training that's forthcoming. I always say, you know, even when you're talking about like, I'm interested in sound therapy, I'm interested in, you know, incorporating some of this into my life. Uh, I want to purchase an instrument, that type of a thing. And I always say like, before purchasing something, try to get your hands on it. Be in the same space with mm. it. There's really, a, you know, while while the brain is a fascinating organ and has this unique ability to remember what an experience is like, um, there's nothing like experiencing it live and in person. No, no. So, so if you're in the Detroit area, the Ann Arbor area, Detroit's not very far, is it, if I remember? I, I... No, it's about 45 minutes. Yeah. Yeah, I, I went there once, long time ago, to Ann Arbor. Very nice restaurant, if I remember. <laughs> Lots of very nice very, restaurants. Very nice restaurant, yes. That was back <laughs> in the corporate days when uh, someone else was paying. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. So our podcast is all about intention. From your experience, what you observe working with your clients, what role 
can or does intention play in healing in general here with you know talking about mm-hmm. i guess one of the, the the main purposes of offering the sound baths and and so on yeah yeah i'm i'm glad you asked this question because um intention really is sort of the key uh jonathan goldman is uh, one of the foremost teachers and pioneers of sound healing and sound therapy uh and he has this amazing formula uh, he calls it frequency plus intent equals healing. Mm, mm. Um, and so it's just that simple. Mm, and mm. so when you add the sound of these instruments, whether it's a gong, a singing bowl, whether it's a rain stick, a drum, a tomper, a shruti box, any of these types of things, a chime, you add the frequency and vibration of that with your intention all of the discussions about is it 440 hertz that's mm. more powerful or 432 hertz that's more powerful, which is a huge discussion amongst the sound healing world, you you can't go wrong, can't miss. You're going to find so the natural alignment, aren't you? Essentially, but mm-hmm. when when you've got your intention tuned in, yeah, yes, that's really yeah, really key. Absolutely, yeah, very very uh, well, valuable to keep that in mind. Yeah. Yeah, and when I was, you know, when I was teaching music and, uh, you know, I taught piano lessons for 29 years, one of my my favorite quotes was from Nadia Boulanger, the great French music pedagogue. She said, to study music, we must learn the rules. To create music, we must break them. Hmm. And that's, for me, where intention comes in. Hmm. You know, at, at first, when we're working with these healing modalities, we're all about the protocols. We're all about the, you know, how long do I this and where's my hands go that and what, where do I place this? And But once you really start to feel comfortable with the modality, then you can move into, all right, I can let my intuition settle yes, in here. Yes. I can let intention take over. And that's where the magic happens. Mm-hmm. And I guess mastery of anything is a bit like that, isn't it? You you kind of start by understanding the principles and you practice, perhaps. And sometimes it does not involve a lot of practice. It just involves doing it and being open and having the right mindset. I know that was my experience of meditation. I kind of came to it fairly, mm-hmm. fairly quickly, really. You know, within a matter of matter of sessions. Um, mm-hmm. But stick with it and. You know, you are then going to flow with it. You're going to tune in with it, and yeah, it, it's Absolutely. where the magic happens, as as you say, really. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So a lot of wonderful things you're doing, and obviously we'll put in our show notes uh, links to your your website and uh, the various workshops mm-hmm. and so on that are, uh, you're offering. And it sounds absolutely wonderful what's happening in the next couple of months. We obviously focus quite a lot today on the importance of sound in its ability to connect us at a very deep level and in healing. Is there anything else that we've not mentioned that you'd like to talk about just before we, we sort of wrap up? No, I think we've I think we've covered it all. I guess a great deal of gratitude and thanks for oh having me goodness. on. Oh my goodness. It's been a real pleasure, absolute pleasure. And if I remember right, you have a YouTube channel. I do, yes. Yes, I have listened to it, <laughs> or watched it, I should say, but obviously <laughs> listening is perhaps more. <laughs> you can certainly tune it in and close your eyes and <laughs> benefit from that. Yeah, there's some sound baths there, if mm-hmm. I recall, that uh, 
I've, I've yes. enjoyed. Um, so uh, we'll put that link there as well if folks can hunt you down that way. Absolutely. And uh, really wish you well with the workshops and look forward to Thank you. keeping up to speed with what's happening further down the line. Bless you, Rob. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you, you too. Thank mm-hmm. you. You're listening to Impact, a podcast for anyone who believes in making a difference in the world through prayer, healing, and sending intention out into the world. Join us as we focus attention on where healing is needed right now. Together, we change our world. Well, that was a really wonderful conversation with Rob, and uh, I hope we have a chance to talk to him again soon. He's such a beautiful soul, and I know we both would recommend you go and check out his offerings on YouTube, um, on his website, um, and especially if you are in the Ann Arbor area, mm-hmm. I can get yes. down to meet Rob personally and attend some of his workshops. You really will not be disappointed. He's not that far from me, so I may just pop no, into one of those one day. No, you could you could swim across the midday. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> you don't, Lake Michigan. <laughs> Maybe not. Maybe not. But Maybe yes. Not. Yes. Yeah. So um, some of the stories that have have caught our attention this week, we are going to begin in Africa, and millions are facing starvation in Ethiopia. The UN and the government of Ethiopia have appealed for urgent funding to respond to rising hunger in the country's northern highlands region. The UN Humanitarian Affairs Office, the OCHA, reported on Friday, drought is ravaging communities in Afar, Amhara, Tigray, and Oromia as well as elsewhere in the region, and resulting in severe water shortages, dried pastures, and failing harvests. Food insecurity and rising malnutrition are expected to impact around 11 million people unless aid funding is increased. And in a statement published last week, it was said, while the situation in many of these areas is already alarming, there's an opportunity to avert a serious humanitarian catastrophe through additional funding to urgently scale up and sustain response efforts. Let's hope that happens. Let's hope so, yes. it's It really is one of these stories that you wonder why is not top of the headlines. Um, I was 11 reflecting million very much people. on the, the days of Live Aid and uh, Band-Aid and how moved the world was at that time. This is a crisis that is unfolding again, which is virtually ignored at the moment or, or not being seen. We can help. I'm we sure can there help. are ways. Exactly. Can. It can be, can be averted. Absolutely. But staying in that in that region in, in in East Africa in Kenya uh, last week, there was a gas explosion that killed two people and injured more than two hundred. This happened after a truck that was carrying gas exploded in a neighbourhood just southeast of Nairobi, or it's actually part of the suburbs, as as I understand it, Embakasi. A huge ball of fire spread widely, damaging other vehicles, property and setting fire to homes. The Kenyan Red Cross reported close to 300 injured. Um, The scene was quite quickly secured, but it took firefighters time to control the blaze. 
So now heading over to Mexico, a collision between a passenger bus and a freight truck on a highway in northern Mexico on Tuesday left at least 19 people dead and 18 injured out of 37 people on board the bus, according to local authorities. And the accident occurred on a highway in the Pacific coast of Sanaloa in the township of Alora. And the cause of the accident is being investigated. Tragedy there. Now, back in the East Africa area, I'm afraid, and uh, we've reported on this before, the continued attacks of the Houthis or Houthis on commercial shipping and the reaction of the US and UK especially, striking back at Yemeni targets where the Houthis are believed to be uh, holding out. Uh, Yemen's Houthis said on Sunday that US and British airstrikes would not deter them and vowed a response after 36 targets were hit following the Houthis' repeated attacks on merchant ships traversing the Red Sea. It seems that the attacks on the um, Houthi targets were a retaliation, again, for something we reported last week, for the deadly attack on US troops serving in Jordan. Um, Both Houthis and the Jordanian attack are believed to be Iranian-funded, according to the, the US intelligence. The United States also vowed to take additional strikes and additional action to continue to send a clear message that the US will respond when its forces are attacked and when its people are killed, according to White House National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan, speaking to NBC's Meet the Press program on Sunday. Meanwhile, US Secretary of State Antony Blinken has travelled again to the Middle East. He's, He's made quite a number of visits there since the outbreak of the war between Israel and Hamas. Uh, He was back in the Middle East on Sunday to support talks to work towards a new truce between Israel and Hamas. As the health ministry in Gaza said that now at least 27,000 people have been killed and more than 66,000 wounded uh, by Israeli strikes since October the 7th. While in Israel, officials there say that around 1,140 people have been killed in southern Israel. International reaction to the conflict continues to be quite varied. The European Union's foreign policy chief, Josep Borrell, warned on Sunday that moves to suspend the funding of the UN Agency for Palestinian Refugees, this is the UNRWA, which we mentioned last week, Uh, the UN is investigating the allegation of uh, some of its members having been involved in that uh, October 7th attack on Israel. And as a result, a number of countries, including the US, have suspended funding. But um, EU foreign policy chief saying that this is putting hundreds of thousands of lives at risk, so really calling for that decision to be reconsidered. In the meantime, Canada has said that it will impose sanctions on Israeli settlers who incite violence in the West Bank and has also introduced new sanctions on Hamas leaders. And in France, the foreign minister, Stéphane uh, Sajouné, said Paris rejects the formal displacement of Palestinians into Egypt from Gaza. So the West, the Western nations, allies, if you like, uh, having different views on how to respond to this, and particularly in connection with what's seen by some as being the disproportionate response of Israel to, to the attack. It feels like this is getting more and more complicated. 
Yeah, <laughs> I, I think yeah. so. There does seem, again, we don't know what's going on behind the scenes. And there's yes. quite a number of different nations involved. Egypt uh, seemingly playing quite an important part in the diplomacy. And I haven't actually read very much about what's coming out of the Blinken visit either. I, I, I guess a lot of this is going on behind the scenes. There'll be a lot of pressure being put on uh, Netanyahu, I'm, I'm sure, by the US. Uh, there was some suggestion that Hamas were considering peace terms. Uh, I'm not entirely sure what that means, but that, that was something I read. So potentially there is progress being made behind the scenes that we, we don't know about. Well, it's all the more reason, as we always say, to stay above the dissension mm. and um, put our intentions above all the division and the things that we obviously don't know for the highest good. Absolutely. So let's move to a good news story over to the west coast of the U.S. A Monterey Bay Aquarium, researchers have strengthened the link between sea otters and long-term health of the California kelp forests in a recent study um, at the Monterey Bay Aquarium. I love this story. The study was published in the journal PLOS Climate, or PLOS Climate, and it finds that the sea otter population growth during the last century has enhanced kelp forest resilience in the state, and that reinforces the importance of conservation and recovery of the threatened southern sea otter. The study showed a dramatic increase in kelp forest along the central coast over a 100-year period, and this being the only region of California where southern sea otters survived after being hunted nearly to extinction for their fur in the 1800s. I had forgotten that they were hunted. Incredible, I, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. A really wonderful story. Seemingly, it's, it's, it's a massive, very, very significant healthy kelp forest there now. And I, I I went to Monterey. I don't know if you've been that way, Ellen. It, I have not been to Monterey. No, it's a fantastic area, that whole area. That coast goes down to a place called Carmel, which is very beautiful. And there's Pebble Beach, the golf course is down mm -hmm. that way. I actually uh, <laughs> happened to visit Pebble Beach because it's a public, there's actually a public course, um, even though it's very well known in the golf world. And I was with a friend who knows a thing or two about golf. And we happened to be there on a day when there was a completely free-to-watch pro-amateur tournament with golf veterans. And I, I'm not really into golf. My friends said, oh, I think that's Vijay Singh. I think that's uh, Sandy Lai. We were literally <laughs> crossing paths <laughs> with these people. And yeah, you can go there. But Monterey, I think, is quite a, a shallow harbour, a huge bay, and seems to be very, very important in the... It's almost like a crossroads for all the, a lot of the marine creatures that go backwards and forwards from north to south down the Pacific coast. So I imagine the kelp forests there are very, very important as a feeding ground as well. Uh, a lot of dolphins in that area and whales. Oh, I love that. It's uh, quite a place to go. Yeah, it's um, it's interesting. This is a pretty long study if they've covered a 100-year period. Yeah. So that's yeah. impressive. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Not so good. Uh, we're back in another part of the world uh, where there has been an ongoing conflict for such a long time now. This is Ukraine, Russia. And it's another situation where, and this certainly in the UK press, what was getting some visibility this week, which is a bit puzzling. If kind of <laughs> you side with Ukraine, what is going on here? A bakery 
in the Russian occupied city of the city Chengsk killed at least 20 people this week, according to a statement issued by Russia on Saturday, with at least 10 others wounded uh, and rescue operations continuing. Now, bearing in mind that um, this may well still be home to Ukrainians, <laughs> it seems very odd that this was targeted, if that was indeed the case. It wasn't a, a stray missile. Um, Russians claim that it was targeted by Ukraine deliberately, and then the bakeries especially popular at the weekend. Lysychansk lies in the Lugansk region. It had a population of around 110,000 people before the start of the war. In other stories relating to the continuing conflict, Turkey said that President Recap Erdogan would discuss a new approach to allow Ukrainian grain export through the Black Sea, through the um, Bosphorus, during an upcoming visit to Turkey by President Vladimir Putin, which is expected, actually, if it's not already taken place, I, I didn't pick up on the news this morning, but uh, is expected around now. <laughs> it had, the actual timing hasn't been announced. Um, and that in itself is interesting because um, Turkey is a NATO member, but it is not a signatory to the international court, which issued the warrant against President Putin last year. Mm. So... He can go there, even though it's a NATO country, without fear of arrest. So again, Turkey, in the geopolitics of this, playing a kind of interesting role with a, as it were, a foot in, in two camps, a like, yeah. mediating role there that could be quite yeah, important. That's really fascinating that they can get yeah. away with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I didn't know that until, until I picked up on this story, actually. Elsewhere, amid a reported feud with his military chief, he's very popular uh, in Ukraine, President Zelensky told the Italian state broadcaster RAI that he was considering what he called a reset to replace several senior officials. When asked about his plans for the army chief, Valery Zalushny, he said that any changes did not concern a single person, but a the direction of the country's leadership. So, um, yeah, it's an interesting time what's happening um, in Kyiv, I think, at the moment. Uh, a little bit difficult to understand what, what may be going on there. Another place where it's getting a little confusing. Mm. I, mm. I totally agree. That story about the bakery is a little suspect to me, but who knows? You know, We don't know. This is the thing, yeah. isn't it? We, we don't know. We're yes. picking up on what was a very widely reported story, and it was in you know major news agencies like Reuters carrying this and so on. And But who knows? Ultimately, uh, yeah. We, yeah. We, now moving over to Pakistan, an, an armed group has killed 10 policemen in the northern Pakistan region right before a general election there. Tariq-e-Taliban Pakistan, which is called TPJ, which is believed to be an offshoot of the outlawed Pakistani Taliban, issued a statement claiming responsibility for the attack. Mm. And it's actually this week, this Thursday, the day that we will be releasing this podcast, 8th of, uh, 8th of February, that the election is scheduled, general election scheduled in Pakistan. Uh, to Chile now, and Chile's worst natural disaster since the earthquake of 2010, a, a major story here. 
forest fires have killed at least 112 people. Firefighters in central Chile on Sunday battled to try and put out fierce or, or to contain fierce forest fires that have killed over 100 people and destroyed entire neighborhoods, with Chilean President Gabriel Boric warning that the country faces a tragedy of very great magnitude. Hundreds of people are still missing, according to authorities, and the fires gathered momentum on Friday and are now, at the time we are recording, threatening the outer edges of the huge major coastal cities, Fina del Mar and Valparaiso. Oh, wow. Well, let's hope that mm. they get rain or they get it under control or, yeah, people are saved. So some general reflections on these stories from around the world. Let us offer gratitude for the health of kelp forests off of the California Central Belt and will that both Russian and Turkish presidents will be moved to recognize the dependence of several African nations that are facing drought on the continued passage and protection of grain flows from Russia and the Ukraine. We will that the plight of the millions facing food poverty and malnutrition in Ethiopia moves those with influence on the governments of richer nations to recognize the vital need for increased aid and aid funding. We also remembered those suffering the horrific effects of catastrophes that have changed the lives of many this week, including all those suffering burns, trauma, and other injuries resulting from the fire in Bakasi will be immersed in healing light and that those grieving those killed in the collision between a passenger bus and a freight truck in Sanaloa on Tuesday will be comforted, healed, and surrounded in light. And we will for calm in Pakistan as the country goes to the polls and for wisdom and diplomacy in the Middle East as the Israeli-Hamas war continues. It's been a busy week, my goodness. Yes. It was yes. a very busy week. And finally, a good news story to end with. Wonderful report this week that there has been a big fall in CO2 emissions among member countries of the European Union, the EU. The EU's CO2 emissions from burning fossil fuels have dropped very significantly last year, according to the Centre for Research on Energy and Clean Air. It said that 2023 saw the steepest reduction in emissions in the bloc's history, with the exception of 2020, when COVID lockdowns led to a big fall in fossil fuel use. The rollout of renewables was the main driver of the decline, said Carbon Brief with the EU achieving a 25% year-on-year reduction in CO2 emissions from power generation last year. The EU has agreed to cut carbon emissions by 55% this decade, compared with 1990 levels. However, uh, the European Environment Agency reports that current policies still mean that it will fall short of its COP target. Uh, by 2030, although a report by the European Commission suggested it had reduced greenhouse gases by uh, over 32% already. So moving in the right direction, if still... Yay, EU! <laughs> Way to show us how it's done! Exactly. Yeah, that, that's that, awesome. That was quite something. Mm -hmm. So we thought we might take the good news story for this week and use it as our main intention. 
Um, so our main intention for this week is we will that all who have influence within EU nations will continue to be open to be guided by and promote actions and policies that help reduce their nation's CO2 emissions mm. and teach the rest of us how to do that too. Mm, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. That's, that's definitely something they're doing right, moving in the right yes. direction. So that about wraps it up for this week. Remember, you can connect with us in the Facebook group and for live intention holding in Clive's daily insight timer offerings and with me in the Labyrinth Activist Network's Zoom calls. Details of how to hook up with us are in the show notes. Thank you for listening and for sharing with us and holding intentions. We look forward to connecting again next time. And in the meantime, thank you. Go well. Stay safe. And remember, we're more powerful together. Impact is presented by Ellen Vince and Clive Johnson and produced by Impact Productions. Our theme music is by Chris Collins and our logo artwork is by Auto Classic. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Audible or your favourite podcast provider. We're a non-commercial podcast dedicated to people of any faith tradition or none who yearn for healing in our troubled world. Please pass on the word so others may join us in making an impact. Thank you for listening.